Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 How's that? Really pleased to be here today with Colcut, Matt and John, who I understand are the number three best DJs in the world. Really? <laughs> it's, three, it's three and a half, actually. Yeah. I want to know who the other two were above you, know. bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but um, now we're going to talk about the new album Brilliant. and also the history. Maybe we'll start off with a bit of the history. And um, I guess your first big song was uh, Say Kids, What Time Is It? Correct. 1987. Yeah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> yes. Not really a song. No. No. no the, except in the loosest sense of the word. More a sort of grab bag of stealing other people's music and sellotaping it together. Exactly. Yeah. And I read that it was the first time, really, that anybody had taken that kind of hip-hop aesthetic from New York, I guess, mainly, and kind of transplanted it over here. Yeah, I mean, first time is always a difficult phrase because everything's really built on things that have gone previously, so... Incrementally. Yeah, Mm. you know, I think we put a kind of stamp down as a sound of London club culture at that time. I'd be happy to claim (laughs) that. I wouldn't even call it London club culture. You know, because actually we weren't in the clubs because we got booted out of them for playing black music That's and not true. playing music that, you know, encourage people to drink alcohol, isn't yes, it, John? absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it was more, you know, Lond- I'd say London music culture, London party culture, and the warehouse scene in the 80s was quite a powerful thing and, a, and important, certainly for me, stage in development of my interest in culture and art and getting into London and, and growing up. Mm. And in a way, say kids put that party on plastic mm. but it was very much inspired by what was going on in New York hip hop Grandmaster Flash and yeah. these guys Double D and Steinsky who made some records called Lessons 1, 2 and 3 yes. that we wanted to imitate yeah. Yeah. and you know we all learned by copying and that's how we started and there were British bands that were doing similar sort of stuff I've got a soft spot for 400 blows if you <laughs> yes. remember them Andy yeah. yeah and you know I don't think they get enough credit personally so I just want to put it down on record <laughs> there you go yeah, I mean I was just looking at that test department yeah. book on yeah. the side of the shop there John you booked them to play at your party I did didn't you? yeah at Flim Flam they played at Flim Flam and I used to play their music when I used to do um, DJ for like fashion shows so I put the music together for Com de Gas on men's mm. shows in the like mid 80s and I played Test Department there that went down really well <laughs> it did actually it went a good down opportunity really well, yeah. to really be out there and mm. not do what's expected for yeah. something like that because they really wanted cutting edge stuff but you know, I was just looking that they used to use visuals on multi-screen yeah at their shows yeah. which is something that we really got into but of course it had all been started off before and you know a lot of political engagement a lot of sampling people talk about say kids being the first sampling uk sampling record no not true mm-hmm. i think you know uk mashup culture yeah. we we made a statement on that yeah. with say kids and perhaps we someone said we were the first D- british artist to get the uk the first british artist to get the kind of hip hop cut up aesthetic maybe that's true yeah. but you know we were very much 
enjoyed records even like 19 by Paul Harcastle was yeah. a pretty out there record to become number one actually yeah Art of Noise another great band were they did they were they after say kids and or before they? no they well before yeah were yeah. They? Yeah. yeah yeah so maybe in <laughs> so they were influential all of those yeah. all of those records were influential you know and there were yeah. kind of disco mix records that had come yes, out and course, you, yeah. which were also influential but you know we we were just quite good with a sleight of hand and picking a pocket or two yes and then um, I suppose there's the Eric B and Rakim paid in full yes I mean that was a, a fantastic it must have been a fantastic year for you it was a great year I mean that's 30 years actually yeah. it was released a few weeks ago 30 years ago is it yeah oh. blimey so yes <laughs> <laughs> and you know it, at the time it was really exciting to be asked you know the guys from 4th and Broadway were yeah. well advanced in actually risking two London bods Nobody's to come and do it actually. yeah and for us you know we were well into hip hop the chance to remix a an American artist that we'd yeah. heard of was absolutely off the hook, even though we only got 700 quid for it. Yeah. That's why when we did our version, it was called Not Paid Enough. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We also asked if we could get any you know, points on yeah, our remix yeah. because we thought we would do something quite different. And there was like, no, no chance whatsoever. But it has been known nowadays for remix artists to get points because yeah. quite often a remix can be effectively a completely new track yeah so why should that just be considered just a version of something that someone else has written it's authentically a new creation yeah. that's part of the convergence really that's happened with you know what were distinct careers like dj producer engineer arranger songwriter record shop record label owners yeah they all kind of converged and i think we were early on in realizing that actually we could probably do a bit of those ourselves and kind of stitch it together in a way that made up a whole package and a whole identity that would work. Yeah. Right, should we have the first record then? Who's uh, first up? <clears throat> you go, John. Um, the Congos, released in 1977. Um, one of my all-time favourite reggae records. And there is a nice story here because I used to come up to London yeah. to buy records and there was this fantastic shop in Labrick Grove and a guy called Jeff who was in there and he used to go and buy records and he would pull stuff out for me and it was called Rough Trade Yeah. and that <laughs> record is the first record that I bought from Rough Trade fantastic So, and it, it's just a brilliant record actually it's, that issue is the Jamaican issue which is a different mix have you got one of that? I yeah. didn't know anything about this until this reissue and yeah. they said there's this original mix that Lee Perry did and never came out or was hard to get yeah. I didn't know that yeah and so it, I think mine is because it was like it had only just been released yeah. I remember Jeff was really excited about getting it in yeah. at the time So and it's just such a beautiful record the, the vocals and the harmonies and everything yeah. Row Fisherman Row in particular yeah. is a killer and a forward thinking record because you know it's got drum machine in there. It's got all sorts of crazy yeah. stuff. So it's just a stunner. And I'm glad now that it's become considered as a classic yes. piece of work. And also it ties in because on our new record, plug, plug, um, Lee Perry guest. So, exactly. you know, it's a lovely little circle with Rough Trade with Lee Perry and Cold Cut. Yeah. Also a favourite of John Peel's, yes. who championed that yeah. record. Now, there weren't that many jamaican authentic jamaican records other than bob marley you know has mm. his place but outside of that there weren't that many records that sort of were available in the uk and those that were available were, were only in you know a few specialist yeah. shops then you got people like adrian sherwood who started doing exactly. uk records yeah. with records like creation rebel which yeah. was one of the first reggae records that i bought but the congas is particularly wonderful 
I have a little conga story, actually, which is we went to see them at what was formerly Dingwalls a couple of years ago, and it was almost a sort of religious experience, really, because they're still there in fine voice. And then I met, uh, it's Cedric, isn't it? At a, a trance party, funny enough, <laughs> called Azora. Marvellous, got to say. I don't like the trance party music, but the, the scene's excellent. Azora Festival in Hungary and the Congas were there. And they were doing a jam with Steve Hillage and Maquette Giraudi f- yes. from System 7. Yeah. So uh, it's all still, you know, working and uh, growing. And it's great to see those guys still making a joyous sound. Yeah, fantastic. Which track are you going to play? I'd like to play Row Fisherman Row. Okay, to my fave.
That was Roe Fishman Roe, a firm favourite of the shop, and we must have sold thousands of that over the years. And I suppose at the same time there was culture, wasn't there? Two Sevens yeah. Clash at the same time. I also and bought that from Rough Trade. And a, a, you know, a whole heap, Lego Beast, which was a really good dub album. Yeah, I don't know that one. Which is pretty obscure. It came in one of those wonderful sort of slightly homemade, hand-printed silkscreen sleeves. Fantastic. And I've still got that. I've got all of those records that I bought and I did look after them as well so I've got I've got Lego Beast as well but I was always disappointed it didn't come with you know a Lego Beast (laughs) in it (laughs) and of course that was the same time as Alimentado uh, Best Dressed Chicken in Town which must have been exactly the same time and he still brings in that record for us to sell in the shop now brilliant that's what I like to hear yeah he's such a nice guy I I just got to say for culture as well I'd say culture harder than the rest and the Congress album yeah. for me they are the two spiritual sunshine uplifting yeah. killer reggae albums of the 70s and they still bring a lot of joy yeah without jumping around too much maybe that leads us on to Adrian Sherwood then yes with who you who produced your new album I think he did yes he, um, we went down to Ramsgate where yes. he's got a lovely studio yeah. took a whole bunch of stuff that we'd recorded previously <clears throat> we'd done some work with Dave Taylor um, Switch Stroke Solid Groove in Los Angeles on some of the tracks and we'd done some work in Jamaica getting some musicians and some singers to do some sessions for us so we had a whole pile of material and um went down to ramsgate played it did a kind of show and tell yeah and adrian was like yeah that's cool not (laughs) not into that one yeah like that one so we just went through it and matt and i just had a lot of fun down there doing it you know and uh, he's really good fun adrian he's great fun and also now on you is a important sort of um marker if you like in british music culture without which we wouldn't be here. Yeah. yeah. And again, those records had a big influence on us and, and lots of other heads as well. Mm. 
and there would be no ninja tune without on you sound having laid down a blueprint of what an alternative politically oriented yeah. independent uk album with great graphic design could look like yeah He's done some. He's made some amazing records in his time. Well, he represents this incredible nexus between dub, experimentation, yeah. reggae, and hip hop, and yeah. punk, and, and, and yes, punk, exactly that. You know. total punk aesthetic, I think. So, uh, you know, again, referencing Peel, Peel made it cool to be into a lot of different sorts of music yeah. for certain heads. You know what I yes. mean? And, and then it needed producers to take that and actually experiment with mixing up the different influences together. And I think Sherwood probably did that more than any other producer. Yeah, I mean, I guess as a shop, we've always wanted to be a shop. We're not an indie shop. We're not a dance shop. We're a shop that sells great music. And as you know, as Louis Armstrong, I think, said there's two sorts of music, good and bad. Yeah. And you just want to sell the good stuff, obviously, you know. Um, and I noticed on this new album as well, you've got Junior Reed on there. Yes. Who's been with you for years. Yeah, we did stop this crazy thing back yeah. in the day and we used One Blood on uh, Journeys by DJ's Mix and we produced um, a couple of tracks for the album, the One Blood album. Not yes. the One Blood track, but two other tracks on there. But it's, uh, I just love that kind of longevity. Maybe as you get older, <laughs> you appreciate it more, but it's great to see him on there. But also Doug Wimbush and... Um, mcdonald as well it's fan it's just fantastic seeing all those people still making great records you they're, know? they're all good you know yeah. and it's nice because it's a mix of some young young people it's not all old <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. there's, <laughs> there's a chap called alan who sings for the whalers actually yeah. who does the chorus on yeah. um on the track with junior reed and lee perry and divide and rule and you know he's wonderful he's got such a beautiful voice yeah. he also does an answer version to the cecile track that's on there make up your mind a kind of male equivalent which is you know a standard sort of reggae yeah. trope but with something that we yeah. wanted to do and see if we could pull it off fantastic right matt are you going to choose your record then first record yeah i reckon i'll go for talking heads yep. remain in light which i'm uh, picking up a cd of um, I love my vinyl, but I did actually get rid of it or rather lend it to a young vinyl enthusiast DJ friend of mine because I needed the space. And I'm not really into formats, I'm into music. But I remember when Talking Heads were the band that sort of powered my interest in music and the, that it, it was it was cool to be into something a bit different. Yeah. I, I don't know at the time of things like, things like art rock or terms like that or even cool, I don't think they were really things I thought about, but there was something different about those, about this band yeah. compared to pretty much everything else that was going on. And they seemed to sort of really keep evolving and change what they were doing. I think Eno was an excellent producer. Yeah. He used to be able to bring out what was best about them. And yeah, I really followed them relentlessly. And I remember getting tickets and taking a bunch of other students. I never got the money back from that, actually. <laughs> but you too were supporting and I thought they were crap. Yeah, I was there. I was at that Hammersmith same Palais, Yeah, exactly. Right? Yes. What a dirge-like sound. Yes. I, I, I never liked them. It, you know, I think they enough respect for you know the Zoo TV tour, and uh, they've written some great songs. But at that yeah. time, for me, Talking Heads were it, and they yes, were nowhere because exactly. the sound yeah. was really interesting agree, yes. from yeah. from Talking Heads, and they used to just mix in a lot of stuff. And then you know that that record, Bernanino, Life in the Bush yeah. of Ghosts, should also isn't referenced enough yeah. as a seminal sampling mashup yeah. creation that much ahead of its time oh, it still sounds fresh now so fresh i was listening to it the other yeah. day and it's unbelievable but this remain in light you know they their songs yeah it, it was 
different. It was wasn't it, it was something definitely to feed your mind as well. Yeah. And yeah, they are a terrific band. Yeah. Which song have you, have you chosen? You know, I can hardly read it due to the. Do you want to borrow my specs? <laughs> I, I find more. I need a good torch nowadays. <laughs> Remain so, in the light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very <you>. funny. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when I look at this, it just reminds me of my youth so much. Like Born Under Punches or Houses in Motion, which is something yeah, that people a, started uh, playing again. Killer. I can still play Houses in Motion. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's listen to that. For a long time, I felt. Without style or grace, wearing shoes with no socks in cold weather. I knew my heart was in the right place. I knew I'd be able to do these things. As we watch him digging his own grave, it was important to know that was where he's at. Can't afford to stop. That is what he believed. I'm 
That is an amazing track. I remember the thing I remember most from that show is Tina Weymouth looking like a rabbit in the headlights, just like she was like so scared. I think you know, such a brilliant bassist. Let's hear it for the great female bassists as well. Exactly. And I also remember you two. From what I remember, it wasn't that full, but they gave it everything. You know, Bono was giving it large. You know, you can see why they they had that desire. I think. Anyway. It's a, it's a great show. Um, so let's go back to a bit more of your history then, shall we? And, yeah. Uh, after, uh, so you, you, the number of people you kind of work with, so like, oh, you broke really. So Yaz, yep. Lisa Stansfield. Yep. I mean, some great, some really fantastic vocalists who went on to not necessarily greater things, but you sort of definitely kick-started them. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we were making sort of backing tracks I suppose effectively we were making noise and wanted to put some singers over them yeah. and you know the, actually the record company that we were signed to at the time unbeknownst to us Yaz was managed married to and uh, signed to <laughs> but uh, anyway that's a whole other story yeah, for another so Jazz, Jazz was like <laughs> Jazz yes he's gone now so yes. we can say what we like <laughs> I don't think so yeah. no, I think of him there. with some affection actually yes. the old monster because yeah. you know he was actually a big part of our success but he did put us through the sausage machine as well and we were very lucky to survive but yeah it's like yeah we've got I've got this amazing singer I think you ought to work with her didn't tell us he was married to her so <laughs> managed a bit to of a conflict of interest anyway yeah. We made the only ways up, and it was a great record. Yeah, and still got like, actually, John gave me the idea. He gave the gold disc to his mum, so I did the same with my yeah. mum. So <laughs> no, I mean that was, um, you know, it was a cover version of a of a song that um, Otis um, Clay, Otis Clay, came out on a sort of obscure Japanese album. Yeah. You know, incredibly difficult, still difficult to find the seven inch to this day. Yeah. And I still don't own one, which I keep meaning to try and get hold of. <laughs> but they're like 150 quid a pop oh, now, which yeah. is just too much to pay. I think it's just been reissued, actually. And I used to, I was, you know, one of my early inspirations as a DJ was a DJ called Bob Jones, Dr. Mm, Bob Jones. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I used to go and listen to him play. And he just played some amazing music. It was incredible soul funk jazz and he used to play the only ways up and yeah. as soon as i heard it i thought i've got to get that record yeah. so i went took me quite a while to find it i found it i started playing it wherever you played it it filled the dance floor and you know you could see people singing along and once they'd heard it they'd sing along yeah. to it and it just seemed like an obvious thing to do yeah. So um, it was written by George Jackson, who, who wrote right? One Bad Apple for the Osmonds. Just <laughs> Blimey, you <laughs> learn something new every day. Yeah, so there you go. So, yeah, that was, that was yeah, as, um, you know, we, we did Doctor in the House with her as well. Um, that was first. That was before oh, was that, it? yeah. yeah. Oh. And that was basically a rip-off of Adonis, We're Rocking Down the House. Yeah. So we got had this idea for, because we're rocking down the house. It's got this incredible, it's Trax Records, seminal Chicago yeah. house yeah. from the beginning when everything, the universe was young and everything sounded good, <laughs> even just a drum machine and a bass line, so wicked, and a vocal sample. So it was like, well, let's, let's sing We're Doctor in the House. And then Yaz phoned up from Germany one time. She said, do you think, I've got this idea, do you think you could go, We're Doctor in the House? Like, yeah, okay, great, Yaz, go on down, let's do it. <laughs> so we did. <laughs> Fantastic. Right. John, yes. second record. Okay, so this one is um, Wild is the Wind is the album by Nina Simone and the track is Four Women. And 
reaches down to pick up a CD by Jay-Z called 4.44, which has a track on it called The Story of OJ, which actually samples, has a brilliant video, by the way. Check out the video to that Jay-Z track. But it samples Four Women by Nina Simone. And Four Women is just such a killer tune. But also, my partner is called Sophronia, and her dad named her Sophronia because one of the four women in that song is called Sophronia. Wow, that's a great connection. I just couldn't resist that connection. You you know, you can't go wrong with Nina Simone. No. And for me, it's, you know, it's always difficult to choose one tune from a great artist like that. But for me, Four Women encapsulates everything that's beautiful about her work. You know, quickly followed up by Baltimore, which is another one. And, you know, there's there's the more common ones that people know. But Four Women... That is it. So that's that's worth having in your collection. I'm going to have to check that one out. I don't know that song, I'm ashamed yeah, to say. so beautiful. But I will check it out. OK, so here's Four Women. My skin is black My arms are long My back is strong Strong enough to take the pain Inflicted again and again What do they call me? My name is Aunt Sarah My skin is yellow My hair is long Sweet 
Great, that was amazing. So um, you were talking about, funny enough, you were talking about uh, videos with Jay-Z and the visual element in your shows has always been so important. I suppose we touched upon it with Test Department earlier on, but um, you were doing as hexstatic or hex sort of video um, software. This is 1991. We, we met these two guys from art school called Rob Pepperell and Miles Visman and they just finished art school and they were into computers and I was into computers from time as well and you know it was part of Colcutt's early success that yeah. we were on the tip fairly fairly early on of getting a cheap computer and using it as a kind of word processor for music for people who couldn't play yeah. very well mm. but had some ideas yeah. and it, after I remember going to Selfridges and seeing an Amiga computer there with the Juggler demo, which was this incredible, simple but rather beautiful 3D rendered landscape with a juggler juggling these glass balls. And I looked at it and it just blew my mind. I thought, like, that means you can make a whole computer graphics film on your desktop. Mm. So I got an Amiga and started messing around with it. And then I met these guys who knew a lot more about it than I did, especially Miles was a demon coder. He was one of these coding geniuses yeah. who could just make anything working programming machine code to get the most out of the you know the machines which were weren't that powerful at the time but so we started working with them as a kind of experimental lab for cold cut to in a way take what we were doing with sound coming from the hip-hop aesthetic which is the strongest yeah. set of influences really sampling scratching looping beats processing yeah. layering and then applying that like could we do that with visuals and actually that's been a very fruitful direction mm. because you can find these analogies and then you can also link sound and vision together in a lot of ways so basically exploring that has been very fruitful over the last 30 years yeah. and hex was the name of that project first it was called bug then it was hardwire and then it sort of standard normalized as hex and um we started using electronic visuals mixed yeah. to accompany the music that we were mixing as part of our live and DJ sets. And I think we realized that it was good to give people something to look at. People had incredible yeah. kind of uh, conditioning to look at the stage or even mm. the DJ booth. Yeah. And when we started off, John, it was more about the DJ sort of in the warehouse. You'd be, you wouldn't be right in front with a tucked big light on back. you. You'd be more yeah. tucked away in the back. And... You know, the audience was the, the spectacle, I guess. Of course, at, you know, good warehouse parties and also going back to the 70s and even the 60s, light shows and multimedia, if you like, course, decorations, Pink Floyd, artwork. Hawkwind, yeah. Pink Floyd, yeah. Hawkwind. You know, you look at the Fillmore posters from the 60s yeah. and be like Jimi Hendrix, Joshua Light Show would have equal yes. billing with yeah. that. 
And you can see the same on some of Floyd's uh, posters as well. So the idea that visuals and music enhance each other it is an old one. Yeah. But we were able to jump on it at a time when digital technology was giving you a whole suite of techniques to be able to do that on the desktop. Yeah. And so we, we, we went with that. Fantastic. Okay, are you going to choose your second record then? Yeah, I'm going to, again, explore the past a bit with The Revolution Will Not Be Televised from the one and only Gil Scott Heron. And uh, I've had, I must say, coming into this wonderful, wonderful shop and just being surrounded by music, I think it was Lee Perry who said, music like shower. <laughs> uh, it, but sometimes it's almost like drowning. And uh, it m makes me wistful for that time when we had less music, mm. but more time <laughs> yes. to listen to it. And that it was a very wonderful time for me when I was at college with a bunch of my mates and we used to just get high and listen to music all the time and have parties and that was pretty much have it. we had a little band and you know do just a minimum of work to avoid being yeah. kicked out and nothing much has changed then well I'm, I'm <laughs> hopefully students do get the chance yes. to indulge that side I remember my tutor at college you know I'm saying sorry Dr. Hope, my late with my essay this week and he said well I know that you've got other interests <laughs> yes. so it was very you know, open-minded of him, actually. Mm. And in fact, I didn't go down the biochemistry route, which is what I was studying. I went down yeah. the music route. So yeah. it was the other interest that worked out for me in the end. But yeah, I just got to say, that, you know, music from Gil Scott Heron. I was looking for the album Reflections, mm. a fantastic yeah. album. And his voice is so instantly recognizable. And, uh, you know, the trying to understand black music and where it came from and the black experience this was a way into that yeah and it really reached me and my friends and i, I think it's a sort of thatcher post thatcher era exactly it, yeah. it was mm. some of our earliest politicization i yeah. also remember thinking oh sitting around and say i oh, heard these like weird women at greenham common what's all that about you know it, it wasn't really connected to us we we weren't into thatcher but we didn't really know what we did stand for. Yeah. And there was the sort of background idea that even though we weren't into Thatcher and so on, we would sort of be into, we, 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 we joke we'd have a company called High Tech Blade Runner Portioned Coke Limited. That kind of summed <laughs> up <laughs> our ambitions. But then we started listening to Gil Scott Heron and Fela Kuti and Bunny Whaler and you know other great black musicians yeah. with political cuts to their lyrics and it sort of went in yeah and uh i mean the revolution will not be televised is is a truly seminal track yeah. i was listening to b movie the other day which is some reflections which is also you know very lyrical and poetical yeah. very acidic yeah. sharp attack on the american yeah. Political. It was hegemony. Reagan, wasn't it? It was when Reagan was just um, yeah. uh, elected. But, I mean, it? if you listen to it, yeah, tell just, man, not much has changed. No, you know exactly. I mean? so, so pertinent so, now, so isn't pertinent. it? Yeah. And um, you know, you know, Whitey's on the moon. Yeah. So, as if that weren't enough. A rat, <laughs> Don Gon bit my sister Nell, but Whitey's on the moon. It's like we used to sit around like discussing this and like, what does it mean? Yeah. And you know, yeah, it's actually it's not cool. Yes. You know yeah. that. Uh, all, all this emphasis is on bigging America up and bigging up the the rich and the elite and how great we are. Yeah. And the same applies to the UK, yes, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, when people were, people were starving, and you could say the same yeah, now. You know, exactly. Who cares really about, uh, you know, the wonderful bank and the great 
financial business of the city of London and the, the economy and so on when a bunch of people burn down in a flat because yeah. the council and the government can't be bothered to implement some standard uh, yeah. safety precautions. Yeah. I tell you what, I think this is, we can be a bit political here, can't yes. we? This isn't bloody BBC. <laughs> yes. If JC was PM, there'd probably be a lot less Grenfell Tower shit going on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I love Gil Scott Heron. Yeah. Sadly deceased. Yeah. Would have loved to have worked with him, actually. Yeah. But uh, safe one, Jamie XX, for getting in there and producing what was a pretty decent was final great, album. Yes, a great album. And, yeah, um, yeah I... Slightly odd, quick Gil Scott Heron story. Me and my mates were really into it. So he was coming to London. I went to see him. It was incredible. And where was he, it? Uh, is that the Commonwealth Institute? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was there. <laughs> yes. Right, it could well have been. Yeah. But then the thing is, like a year later, he came back and we went to see him again and he did exactly the same ad-libs. Yeah. Yes. So then we were a bit like, ah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, but then it took many years to realise that actually when you go on tour, you do tend to yeah. play the same set. And uh, it's, you know, to be completely different and spontaneous every time, it just simply isn't possible yeah. when you're doing a show every night. Yeah. And it is a show. It's a show, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, for me, he's a completely authentic talent. Yeah. And uh, whatever demons he had, yeah. which messed him up, he was a human being and yeah. he... he fought the fight as well as he could and his music still lives on as inspiration yeah okay so we're choosing the revolution will not be televised go on i think it's got to be the revolution will yeah. not be televised me, a sick I, rhythm track oh, as well you know yeah. i can just remember the first time i heard it, it was just yeah. like amazing okay
will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keyes, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or the Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. So there we go. That was the great, late, great Gil Scott Heron with The Revolution Will Not Be Televised and still sounding pertinent today, I think. So I've got so a important. quick plug in here yeah. for um, one of the records I'm most proud that Ninja Tune put out, which yeah. is DJ Vadim with Sarah Jones' Your Revolution, yeah. which is about the commercialization of hip-hop and sexualization and objectification of women or the discrimination that occurs in hip-hop where you know that record got banned for being too explicit when Bloody. she's calling out yeah. the sexism in hip-hop yes. but blatant offensive yeah. hip-hop is just every day on the radio all the time so I kind yeah. of tells you a lot about still what the state of mind is about that yeah it hasn't changed much has it I find it quite yeah. problematic sometimes <laughs> being of a certain age yeah <laughs> um and also, so you started doing these video, these um, visuals in '91, and you're still doing these amazing things like um, this. God, it's all beyond me. I know Ninja app. Well, it's Ninja it's Jam, a, isn't there, man? Ninja and Jam, Pixie, various yes. bits of software which um, you know have developed over the years, are taking sometimes the kind of circuitous route. Yeah. but we're getting there, aren't we? Yeah. I, Say we talked about the interest in visuals and the interest in computing. Computers as creative instruments rather than things to do your email on was that's the fascination. As computers have just got smaller and more powerful, it means you can do a lot more. And so in the 90s, we released an album called Let Us Play, and that came with a free CD ROM of sort of play tools, we called them kind of gadgets, music, and art making toys, but with a sort of possibilities of being used seriously the best one was playground which was a kind of automatic breakbeat generator and that had this uh, algorithm in where it would chop loops up and then put them back together in a different order so we kept developing that we made that into a software called djam which we used to use for our own live shows and then ableton live came out and that was so good that we kind of jumped onto that but in the last few years the emergence of these touch devices and the ability to make something and then get yeah. it on the store means that uh, there's a new channel for getting one's art, software art, if yeah. you like, out there. So we've jumped onto that and we've released a few apps in the last couple of years. Yeah. And in particular this year with Colcut's 30th birthday, we thought we'd celebrate by putting out some good new toys. So there's a few <laughs> out. There's uh, Ninja Jam's our main one. Yeah. And that's basically a music making app in which we've boiled down how we make music into an app that you can use on your phone yeah and we use it live there's one called pixie which is a sort of video synthesizer the idea that you can take the you know, the modular synthesis approach to sound and apply that to visuals as well that's just been released for for free as well on iphone um then there's a game called robbery 
which is like a sort of Terry Gilliam cut and paste <laughs> rollerball game where you have yeah. to get the, the banker and roll him into jail and return the people's money. It's yeah. not easy either. It's, yes. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> no. Yes, that's right. Um, and then just a couple of days ago, we released uh, Midivolve, which is a more sort of focused music making plugin that works with Ableton Live. Yeah. And it's the first time we've had a chance to work with a really good business partner, an established company yeah. for our software inventions, because mm. otherwise it's just a kind of cottage industry type of thing. Um, and that's a sort of, if you're into music, you know what an arpeggiator is. It, it means people who can't play keyboards very well can go with one finger. And this kind of takes that to a warp drive level and has some simple kind of AI features into it. It's also very much inspired by a record that John turned me on to, which became my favourite ever piece of music, Music for 18 Musicians yeah. by Steve Reich. And that, digging into that and getting to know it and then finding out more about systems music and phase shifting and so yeah. on, gave me a lot of ideas for like, well, actually, I don't know how to compose that, but I re reckon I could write an algorithm which would help. Yeah. And that's what this is. Fantastic. Right, John, you're third record right um it's uma sangiri and her new album magoya i think that's how you pronounce it um i loved her first album that came out i think 1991 world circuit i think world circuit yeah. that's right a very good label yeah. and um i had the pleasure of actually opening her she came over and did a live show oh, in Camden at yeah. the Garage, I think yeah. it's called now, at the venue yeah. there. And they asked me to DJ, so I was able to DJ before she came on. Yeah. And that album, it's Masulu. Yes, there is one. Um, yeah. Just a beautiful album, that yeah. one. And I used to play a track off that on, on Kiss FM when we did Pirate Radio back in the day and annoy a lot of people, actually, <laughs> because it wasn't really what you'd expect yeah. here on, <laughs> on Pirate Radio. But I continued with it, and it's interesting that, you know, I was speaking to a DJ called Ross Allen, and he told me the stories that, you know, he used to tape the shows that Matt and I did, Solid Steel, and loved all the hip-hop, loved all the funk, loved all the weird, like, yeah. jungle and, yeah. and early techno and stuff. But he said, you know, at first he couldn't handle this with Sangiri stuff, yes. but then eventually got into it. Yeah. And actually now she's one of his favourite yes. singers and thinks she's got a beautiful voice. So she's put this new album out. Yeah. It just seemed really sensible that I should choose that because, you know, I do absolutely adore her voice. And also it carries on a wonderful tradition of African records of having the most appalling sleeve work. <laughs> yes. Um, the artwork is just stunningly bad. I'm sorry, but it makes up for it by being one of the most beautiful yeah. um, musical records there is. So just ignore the dreadful illustration yes. on the front. In which uh, track? I think it's got to be Yay Fargo featuring Tony Allen, oh, yeah. who I also adore as a yeah. you know, fantastic drummer, drummed with uh, Fela Kute and a brilliant composer and musician. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that's the one to go with. So, okay. yeah, Umar Sangiri. Mbade uyo angana yere fanyani ede Mbade nuyo jonti yere fala Dunuyo siki mono jonti yere fanyani siye Adama denya siki kagele kani yere fasa Bimoko ya siki mono jonti yere fanyani Eh, Barasor, Odunya, Nikari Basaboe, 
kaba enindo nindo dunoya ni keri fasago e kaba e bara soro dunoya ga imani yare faga nyani nyekidenu bila nyana pindugula ubumine ku foloko tokosungu ba musudinde wa jongani yare faga nyani nyani te bajama
go so that was umu sangare 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 i'm not sure how you pronounce it to be honest so you know gone are the days of the bbc pronunciation (laughs) unit the rough trade pronunciation unit you need to get it in yeah you just say it with confidence yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i'm also i was also sort of interested in the the people you've worked you've worked with i you didn't work with william burroughs directly i know but i mean he must have influenced a lot of your you know music and visuals i guess Although the cut-up thing, it's worked, all, gone all the way through your career, really, hasn't it? Although when we started, you know, it was really about we're into hip-hop mm. and we're working out how these guys do this hip-hop stuff and we're yeah. going to do that. And it was only later that we realised it was quite arty and that there was this sort of cut-up yeah. thread that goes back yeah. to Burroughs and Cage yeah. and... Yeah. Uh, Music concrete, mm. and yeah. yeah, before that with Dada, yeah. which you know, yeah. I, I I went to art college and I got it particularly into that kind of era, and in, always been interested in collage. You know, it's a fascinating media, and mm. I love it. All types, yeah, including you know, audio, visual. Um, it's pretty much how humans do things, really. Just kind of bolt shit together. Yeah, I think you can make a good argument that consciousness itself is a montage and so perhaps that's part of the fascination of that art form is it's yeah. the one which more, most closely resembles consciousness yeah. and the nature of consciousness i would submit is the sort of big philosophical and scientific question that's outstanding at the moment yeah. so there can be an artistic doorway into understanding that and collage is part of that yeah, I suppose William Burroughs is sort of the most famous exponent of that, really. Yeah. It's funny, um, he, he, sorry, the, the uh, opportunity we got to do some work for a Burroughs exhibition yeah. a couple of years ago, we were given a bunch of recordings which we hadn't come across before, and in some of them he was teaching at an American college. Mm. And he was speaking specifically about consciousness and how cutting up can help disrupt that flow and yeah. help you to get a new angle on things. And, uh, yeah, he's a great thinker. Yeah. There's also the aspect of, you know, he used to talk a lot about viruses. So we did this piece, Vector, and in genetics, a vector is a virus which you use to repackage some, you repackage some genetic information that you want to get into a cell in a viral vector. And then you dose the cell with a vector, and that's how you kind of shotgun. That's the the crude way of uh, what's called genetic modification. Yeah. Since been superseded in the last couple of years, but I think Burroughs was a vector himself, yeah. yes. injecting new ideas yeah. into human culture. Yeah. Uh, finally, DNA is also a cut up. That's what. Is. That's how evolution proceeds: yeah. mutation and cut up yeah. purely. Interesting. <laughs> right, so what is your uh, third record then, Matt? Are you, uh... I think for the third, um, you helped me look out this rather fine-looking, I think, is Crouch Rocker a rude word? I think it's a nice phrase. Yeah. I'm part German myself. So. Oh, okay. Um, this is a compilation, but 
particularly focused on music of Dusseldorf. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what's on it, but you've pulled it out and said yeah. it's a good one. And I want to dive in there and, and check it out. I did see that wonderful Krautrock documentary. Yeah. And there was a wonderful, there was an observation from one of the German pioneers that was explaining that post-war, Germany was pretty fucked up mm. and the youth had got really got nothing. And actually a lot of the old Nazis had hung on to their jobs in the judiciary and the police yeah. and so on. And so the system was still pretty corrupt and pretty rubbish and it had nothing for the, the kids there. They needed something to express a new consciousness, a new direction. They weren't going to go back. Yeah. They wanted to go forward. They mm. realized that, you know, Germany had been atomized basically yeah. and they needed to go forward and they needed a soundtrack for that. But they weren't going to turn to American R&B, which was the kind of dominant form. They wanted something new and they seized onto electronic music yeah. as that new thing. So that was his justification. Yeah. I think it was someone from Ashra or one of those pioneer bods. Um, and I thought it was a really interesting insight. At that time, it was something completely fresh and they seized onto that as a way of expressing themselves. And they were also talking about... A I remember Autobahn by Kraftwerk being yeah. just the most futuristic piece of music. In, I think that and the Doctor Who theme yeah. were the ones that <laughs> yes. got me into electronic yeah. music. And, uh, you know, they explained that they had these fantastic new motorways that yeah. didn't have a speed limit. So you could get your just dad's go. Mercedes there and wind it up <laughs> to a serious yes. speed. And it would sound like Autobahn. Yeah. And anyway, the sort of my ultimate gig is to just get together with a bunch of mates get really high and just freak out making music for hours at a time and <laughs> ideally be able to sell a few copies so that you can keep doing it yeah. that's that's what these guys were doing so it's like <laughs> yes. i want to do that for a living well this is a compilation that's um put together by rudy from d d Krups. you must remember them i John. do remember them i think and i've Star got a Work. seven inch yeah. room. well they did a 12 inch called Starworks symphony that's right which was yeah really good and um it's got everybody on here harmonia craftwork so who, the, who are the greats harmonia craftwork cluster einstein neubarten yeah. popol vu yeah. ashra temple you know tangerine dream was sort of became a bit whack but they were also innovators that whole thing of them going and doing gigs in in cathedrals yes and this was in the 70s me and my geeky little friends were yeah. building a synthesizer out of an electronic <laughs> magazine yeah. kit you know at home and um it's like, yeah, this is so cool. We don't need guitars. We could do something a bit yes. more geeky and get but away with it. When Tangerine Dream were playing, you know, in Coventry Cathedral in quadraphonic, I'm afraid that was too that was beyond the pale for me. Yeah, it did too, go a bit too far. But I mean, you know, if you if you zoom out from that, yeah. I'd love to play in Coventry Cathedral in yes. quadraphonic. You know, yeah. we do a really good show there. You yes. know what I mean? We map yeah. the whole thing with visuals as well. <laughs> yes. Book us guys if you're listening to <laughs> Archbishop. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's good. Faust, I used to love her. They were really yes. good. I, I remember yeah. going to see them and Can as well. I was impressed by the bass player who had a pair of like industrial gloves on while he was playing bass, <laughs> yes. which um, must have imparted some special sound. It's funny, I haven't actually heard of most of these bods other than Noi. Yeah. Noise. And yeah. Harmonia and Eno. Yeah, or Der Plan. That Der Plan track is really good. I love... Um, I love Brian Eno. I've jammed with him a few years ago and he's a bit of an inspiration actually but yeah. in that documentary 
the, I think the, the Harmonia guys say like, yes. yeah, we met up with Brian and he played more of that stuff and he was like, nice one, guys. I'll be back in touch. And yeah. then he just nice. did low. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sort of left, left them all behind. Yes. You know? Yeah. So. so maybe we should play the Eno and Harmonia track then from here.
That was the combination of Harmonia and Eno from, it must have been the sort of middle 70s, I suppose, I guess. Something like that. Um, I guess we're sort of running out of time, really. So, John, let's have your last record. Well, and, we've already spoken about yeah. uh, On You Sound, yes. so I had to choose an On You Sound record. And this is one of my favourites, yeah. which is African Head Charge and the track Off the Beaten Track, which kind of sums up. My attitude to life, pretty much, <laughs> is to take the scenic route at any possible <laughs> yes. available time. I so you, you mean you should have a beat and track. Yes, right? <laughs> well, that's that's another way of looking at it. So, fantastically crazy reggae record, and again, Adrian Sherwood and 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 the guys do it, and the the drumming in particular on this album, I love. Yes, it's so tight. It's, it's such just a great snaps. record. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Absolutely adore it. And I went to art college in um, High Wycombe, mm. as did Adrian. Exactly. And uh, we used to go to the same blues parties, which was actually at the end of the road where I lived at yeah. the time, where I was very lucky to see Prince Farai yes, do yeah. stuff. And um, yeah, it was a great time. Great he must time. be a bit older than you, though, is he, Adrian? Yeah, he's a year older than me. Oh, only, yeah. But you're also at school with Wilf Slack, was it? That's Cricketer, was it? I was at school with um, oh gee, terrible! I can tell it's senior moment, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Throbbing Gristle, Coyle, and the young man who sadly passed away. Well, Jet and well, Sleazy, Chris and Cozy, or yeah, no, jo- um, it was Jeff Rushton. Jeff Rushton. Yeah, so you were at school with him. Were I you? was at school with him, and oh, wow. um, I was at uh, he was at this school called Lord Williams. Yeah. And, um, I just left and I was going, he was there, but I didn't yeah. know him when I was at school. And uh, I was at art college in High Wycombe. Yeah. And I think I, I was off to High Wycombe on the bus and I'd got a throbbing gristle badge yes. yeah. on and he'd got a throbbing gristle badge <laughs> on. It was like, okay, so yes. we know each other. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, I was. I, I should have chosen a throbbing gristle record, really, because they were such a crucial part of my yeah. musical journey. Yeah. And, you know, Jeff was, you know, Jeff had been coming in the shop since then he did that yeah. fanzine was it Stab Mental Stab Mental which I know. contributed oh, towards oh, I mean what a small world yeah, eh? oh, a little world of music <laughs> and uh, god yeah no it's sad so sad when he died anyway which track are you choosing I've got to song? go for off the beaten track yep. really because you know that's the title track and uh, one of my favourites as well
So that was uh, Off the Beaten Track by African Head Charge. And uh, I mean, still sounding amazing today. Incredible record. Yeah. I mean, everything Adrian does. I mean, I think he did. I mean, I love the, your new album that you worked on, that he worked on with you. Um, but, you know, all those, the Mark Stewart's and the Tackheads, you know, the, what's yeah. the Miners record? He just is, yeah. you know, he's such a, I mean, I love him. And yeah, I think he's very parallel to you. Um, Matt, your final record then? So, in the old days, we used to hang out a lot in record shops. And the great thing about record shops is where you would meet other heads who yes. were really into music. And that's where I met Jonathan. Yeah in the second-hand record shop. And here in Rough Trade, I was looking through the racks and racks of music, as I say, slightly drowning in the musical shower. And uh, so there was some music playing. I thought, wow, this sounds quite interesting. This sounds like some sort of modern prog rock record. <laughs> hmm. You know, I think I'll go up and ask the guy, what is this? So I went up and I found it's the new Floating Points record. Yeah. So I bought it. I've selected it. Yeah. And Sam, I've met him a couple of times. We've put out some of his records on Ninja Tune. He's a major talent. Yeah. I think there are sort of musical hackers like John and me who got lucky and pasted a few sounds together. And then there are people who can actually play and have a lot more yeah. in-depth knowledge of composition. And that uh, Sam's one of those people. And you can hear that quality and multi-dimensionality yeah. in, in his music. Uh, but it's interesting, you know, it's by far... The track I heard is by far not a dance track. It doesn't, yeah, I'm sounding more like a sort of modern prog rock track, if, yes. if anything. It is very prog rock. And I think progs, you know, we've sort of caned everything else. <laughs> prog's quite an interesting direction. You know, it's, progressive is one of these terms that just gets reused again and again, like garage, for instance, yeah. which has meant all sorts of things, or, or even drum and bass, which has meant many different things as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, why shouldn't we be progressive and try and push forward and, and try and do something else? Because progressive turned into pomp. Yes, exactly. It, That's, then it goes yeah. too far. But things always yeah. go too far. They always start off as a wicked new funky idea that a few pe people are into. Then it always bloats out and then it sort of balloons out and collapses and Absolutely. turns into fertilizer for the next lot of Exactly. I fight against prog rock, but, you know, that's just because of my age. Yeah, but, let's uh, just say happy hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> a well, warning <laughs> um, I'd like to say that uh, so Rough Trade we still want people to come and hang out and meet each other here and uh, I want to tell you I put that floating points on that floating points CD on because I exactly because I thought I'd sell some and it's just like high fidelity so some things have not, not changed over oh, all those years see you're good at your job you know what you're doing <laughs> exactly. and you've got a nice big shop here there's enough room for people to come down notice a little stage at the end so you do yes. shows yeah, here sometimes because, yeah. anytime so, you want yeah people come down to Rough Trade undoubtedly yeah. one of the best record shops thank you very much and I'd like to thank you both very much for coming in and talking about your record and your visuals and everything Ninja on you is, fan is fantastic reliving those old days as well brilliant but also looking forwards as well you know it's never about looking back it's just enjoying those things so this is a Floating Points track I can't see any track listing on here but so this is a track from the new Floating Points album <laughs>
Rough Trade Radio. You're dusty, you're dusty. Bedouin by Bedouin. Available in store and online at roughtrade.com. Have I swam too far this time to make it back on my time? Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do. So if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.